listening to Faith and Family. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today, I have the pleasure of bringing you another missionary story, this time from South America. I have with me in studio today the Reverend Herb and Marky Birch, who are serving as career missionaries in Lima, Peru. Herb and Marky are here in St. Louis on home service and have some wonderful things to share about their work in Peru. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so glad to have you in studio with me today. Uh, first of all, tell me a bit about both of your backgrounds, um, how you ended up in Peru. I, I hear there's some some uh, missionary work you've done before in Guatemala and some service in the army and, and a whole bunch of stuff. I graduated from the University of Nebraska at Lincoln mm-hmm. and went right into the army. It was Vietnam era and I served then for 24 years. While I was in the Army, I lost my first wife. Uh, she died after our, our first son was born, and I was a single parent uh, floating around for 14 years. And uh, all during that time, the good Lord took care of me, and uh, at one point we were inspired by missionaries uh, in Hawaii who had been in Papua New Guinea to become missionaries. And when we left for Panama, they said, we're sending missionaries off to Panama. That idea stuck, and it was in Panama that I met uh, Marky, my present wife, and we talked about being missionaries. And we were working with uh, Merrill Wettstein, who was a, a missionary who had been in in uh, in Brazil for many, many years and was there in Panama serving as a missionary and as a pastor. And so the uh, the whole idea stuck with us, and when it came time to retire from the Army, I, I said, uh, let's go to the mission field, and we were at uh, we were studying and living in Germany, and I started studying at the seminary in Germany and transferred to Fort Wayne. And at the uh, when it was time for a call and everything from Fort Wayne, uh, we we went home. We had uh, three kids still at home of the five, and we had a we had to have a, a family meeting with regard to my call and where we were going to be called and they were happy in Fort Wayne they were going to school there and uh, well settled and uh, we said well we're, we won't be able to stay in Fort Wayne we're going to have to go somewhere else and they said well they had a family meeting they excused us actually it's the and, first time we've ever been excused from a family meeting that we <laughs> called <laughs> <laughs> and the next day, they came back and said, uh, if we're going to move, we want to move big. We'd like to have a new language. We'd like to have a new culture. And uh, so uh, let's let's go on to the mission field. And one of those options that was offered to us at that time was Guatemala. And so we went to Guatemala, and we were there until 2003. And uh, we were called back home then to the United States, and we served on the central coast of California, doing outreach to people who spoke Spanish and and Tagalog and uh, other cultures. And uh, and then as we were getting closer to retirement and Marky asked what I was going to retire to, and I said, well, I could, uh, I could play golf, I could go skiing, <laughs> but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, uh, we got a uh, we got a call from Dan McMiller saying he needed <laughs> us on the field in uh, in Peru and uh, very quickly the funds were raised by another dear friend Gary Teese and uh, from the time I had the interview here in May uh, 
to the time we were on the mission field was only four months. Wow. That is a very short amount of time. Yeah. Wow. Marky, what about you? How did you, uh, how did you get first get into the mission field? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I was one of those interesting little kids. I was always big drama, big Mm -hmm. drama. And I can remember um, I was I was in the home of Reverend uh, Ferguson, who was who was not a Lutheran. He had this after school program for all the little kids in Wilsall, Montana. And there was a visiting missionary there, and this missionary, uh, you know, would was willing to pray with with people. And I must have been maybe eight or nine, so I went up to to pray with this missionary, and. Um, and and I told him at that time that I you know I I really wanted to be a missionary, and it's funny that the Lord remembers those conversations. I I hadn't thought about that for years and realized that 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 was something that I had I had asked for as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I you know I I put away all of those aspirations uh, and I taught school. And Herb and I then um, met each other in in Panama, um, but when. Uh, we were we were walking on the beach uh, one night in Panama uh, at a at a retreat, and um, I I felt one of those marvelous calls that they talk about, and you know that you that lights change in the movies and everything, <laughs> and and I I turned to Herb after after it's over, and he's still just walking along, you know, and and I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> something just happened. So when he asked about going. Uh, when he wanted to go to Sam and and go into the mission field, I I didn't have any problems moving from army life into into um, pastor wife and missionary wife. I I thought yeah, yeah I, I'd like to do that. Well, that's great. You're up up for the challenge. Yeah, yeah. It's been really fascinating. That's great. At what point um, I. How, did you have to learn Spanish at some point to do both the work in Guatemala and, and in Peru? I, well, as a single parent in Panama, I could not live in government quarters on Panama. And so I lived downtown uh, Panama and uh, I was able to hire a young Kuna lady who uh, did the cooking in our house and, and the housekeeping and everything. And... Uh, I learned a lot of kitchen Spanish from Gladicia. <laughs> yeah, and I knew kitchen Spanish too. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, and so I was able to participate in Spanish Bible studies at the SEM, and uh, so that was one of the things that led Doug Rutt to recommend that I should probably go to Latin America, and uh, so uh, it, it was uh, it was a start, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like faking it sometimes in a restaurant, saying you know <laughs> Spanish when, and you try to order in Spanish, and then the the waitress comes back in real Spanish, and, and you're kind of stammering around uh, <laughs> because you really don't know it. But uh, uh, when we got to Guatemala, we were we were tutored, and uh, we had really uh, marvelous tutors there uh, that worked with us one on one for about five or six months. Wow! Till we really got our feet on the ground. But Herb, Herb really speaks good Spanish, and he's a linguist. Okay. I, I went to work almost immediately for the American school in, in um, Guatemala City. So my day was in English most oh. of the day. So, I, again, I spoke pretty good Spanish. But when we went to Peru, Herb challenged me. He said, please don't 
take any other work until you have until you've really brought your Spanish up where you're comfortable enough to go out and have fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and really, that was such good advice. I'm so glad that I went back to school and really started. And I still continue to study. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's it's hard work, but it's it's well worth. Yeah, it's well worth the challenge. I imagine it, it makes a big difference uh, when you're when you're immersed in this mission field um, to be able to actually converse with people and and really understand what they're saying to you. Yes, yes, it means everything. And in South America, English is just not it's it's popular because people want to learn it, but you don't find it into incidentally. Sure. Uh, so it's really very helpful that that we've we've worked on the Spanish. Mm-hmm. So life in Lima. Uh, for for those that are geographically um, not inclined, where where in the world is Lima, and what is life like there? Uh, it's it's right on the coast. It's on the coast of of the Pacific coast of South America, and there is a giant desert that stretches all along the coast of South America for uh, for fifteen hundred miles. Wow! And uh, so Lima basically is a desert city, and uh, it's. Um, uh, it's a city of 10 million people, and uh, so it's uh, we get the marine layer there uh, from time to time, much as you would in San Francisco. But uh, it's uh, it's also it never rains in Lima, mm-hmm. and because it never rains, dust just continually builds up, and uh, we get a mist that comes in in the winter time, and this mist will will kind of wet things down. And then this gray dust that is always in the air settles on everything. And so uh, Lima is affectionately called Lima the Gray. Uh, <laughs> it is because, just because of this gray dust that, that will uh, deposit itself on signs, on buildings, and everything else. And so they, they kind of take on this gray pallor all the time. So uh, the city itself is, uh, is very densely populated. They build their buildings right up to the property line. And... Uh, and it is uh, very difficult to get around. The, the city was not really built. The infrastructure is not uh, supportive of the 10 million people that live there. And so many, many people use public transportation, use buses, uh, taxis, and uh, there there are uh, two uh, high-speed systems that, that do serve uh, for transportation in Lima. And we have we used those. We learned how to use those while we were uh, first getting oriented. It, it it took me a long time to brave uh, driving in Lima, and I, I've driven in difficult cities around the world, but Lima is one of the toughest. And I'm not willing to drive at all. I hop on a bus. <laughs> I just you know pay my soul and go. <laughs> it's is that that much of a difference? Yes. Herb is too tall for the bus system. <gasps> he just, he was, his knees were always getting scrunched. And mm-hmm. He was really kind of in pain if it was a long trip. So he just had to learn to drive. Yeah. yeah I stand a full head uh, taller than, than most uh, Lemanos, uh, most, most people that come from Peru. <laughs> uh, and so they're used to standing in a, in a combi or a, a little bus or something like that. And, and they get head clearance and I'm leaning over all the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, in order for your listeners to get an orientation, because I know I didn't understand this at all, even though I love globes and maps, but in order to understand where Lima is, you start in in New York and go down the longitudinal line through Miami and straight down into Lima. Uh-huh. And that that is, is where we are as far as longitude. Yeah. And uh, 
I think that 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 is interesting too. Yeah, that that's an interesting thing to picture in your in your mind. So you're in the same time zone then as New York uh, until it goes on daylight yeah. savings time. That's a little crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting cuz I thought it was much further west. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So uh so for food, do you have a favorite Peruvian dish you like to eat or cook? Uh. <laughs> or all of it. Uh, <laughs> the food is excellent. Yes, we've, they, we've heard from the other from the other missionaries yes. that we've talked to from from Peru that the food is quite spectacular. Yes. The, the Peruvians pride themselves on uh, on their cuisine, on their gastronomy, and uh, they have even, in fact, the largest food fair in South America happens the first uh, two full weekends in September, and uh, it's called Mistura. And this is where uh, they they demonstrate and they display then all of the different uh, dishes that they have, and uh, so uh, my very favorite though is uh, ceviche, uh, yep. which is uh, which is basically fish that if they take raw fish and it is tossed uh, very lightly in uh, li- lime juice and uh, cilantro and uh, a couple of other spices, a little ahi added to it. And then served with sweet potatoes and uh, a choclo, which is the large kernel corn. Mm. Uh, about the kernels are the size of crazy corn. If you ever buy the snack here in the U.S. <laughs> oh yes. And, <laughs> uh, and that is served then on a plat on a platter, and uh, you know it's just really a marvelous dish. But there's just so many different uh, varieties. Yeah. They have. They they boast to us when when we we get into a cab or we sit down next to somebody we don't know, uh, you can get into a conversation with anybody just starting just asking what their favorite food is. <laughs> it is uh, it is marvelous and and they'll say well you know here in Peru we have the very best of the coast the mountains and the jungle. Oh, uh, la costa la selva. E la Sierra, and and they will uh, they will then start expounding on all of the dishes and all of the favorite things that they like, and uh, so it usually leads to long conversations, yes. and uh, they will ask you if you like your ceviche served uh, very hot, you know, <laughs> very spicy, or if you like it mild, and and there there's just all kinds of uh, different conversations. That that uh, are that go on about food. Hmm. What about you, Marky? I was I was just trying to think if I could <laughs> narrow it down. I think I like escabeche. Is is uh, and I prefer it with I prefer well it's both chicken or um, fish. fish, and it is sort of a sweet and sour mm. sauce that is done. Um, and Teo makes one that is just knockout <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, you have to go find some Peruvian food now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll like it. So now that we've covered a, a bit of your culinary delights, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you what you do um, in the mission field. Um, so your work um, is mostly is a, handles a lot of of uh, supporting other missionaries and and working with other people, um, and that involves. Uh, wearing a lot of different hats, doing a lot of different jobs. Tell me a bit about about a few of the things that that you actually do while you're in Peru. Um, we we had to establish for ourselves a legal presence there. Uh, when we deploy U.S. servicemen or uh, people overseas, we set up what we call status of forces, so that they have certain rights and 
even so, uh, for our missionaries, we, we really need to be able to have certain uh, privileges or certain rights. And uh, so it was important that we first uh, get ourselves with a legal presence within the country. And uh, that took up a, a lot of time. And it, it is really essential for establishing ourselves in any country that we work in because the laws are always different from country to country. Uh, but also then making sure that uh, our families are living in good, secure uh, environment uh, that is safe for their families. That is uh, to a standard that uh, uh, that we as uh, maybe a, a, a middle-class family might, uh, might expect here in the U.S., uh, running water, mm-hmm. electricity, things like that. that uh, we might not have all of the conveniences in Peru, of course. Uh, also then... Um, uh, encouraging our other missionaries and and helping uh, to get them established. Uh, you asked about language training. We need mm-hmm. need to make sure that they that they uh, are are comfortable with the language and comfortable with getting around. Helping them with transportation and uh, and uh, hospitals where they would go. In fact, if if they had an accident or they need help for their families. Uh, so taking taking care of families, and, and also then uh, uh, serving as a pastor in in a couple of uh, our mission plant congregations too. Uh, so working with them, and and then raising up leadership within these congregations. Uh, if if the if it ever happens, and it could uh, again, where we go away. Uh, you know, the big question uh, about the success of our mission is how successful were we when we leave? Mm-hmm. And uh, if if we can leave behind then a, a viable church that that continues to uh, to limp along or uh, bring itself up on its feet eventually and be able to function by itself, it's just so important that we be able to leave that kind of a legacy behind. Sure. Uh, you know, otherwise, uh, it, we don't want to create dependencies, and uh, it's so easy to do that and not even realize that we're doing it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what about um, cultural things that you've that you've run across that affect how you do your mission work? Um, things that uh, in in the people's culture that that affect how they receive um, the gospel, whether it's um, a, a cultural, societal, um, different religion, being Catholic, um, those kinds. Of, how does that affect your work? They, um, very, very strongly infused in their culture itself is, uh, is the, the Catholic uh, religion or practices. And uh, so uh, part, trying to get around that sometimes because they, they have a lot of rules and laws that they try to follow and uh, they're very orderly people, generally speaking, and uh, I think a lot of that comes from from the the legal uh, aspect of uh, of following God's will and the commandments and uh, and like of this. But uh, it's important too that we we be able then to get them over to the the gospel side to the that we're saved by grace and through faith that it's not of our works and. Sure. You know, so they're they're kind they're really works oriented a lot of them and uh, they tend to be oriented then on on what the law has to say as opposed to what uh, what God has done for them 
And if we can get them around to the point where we can say, you know, uh, it's not about us, it's about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Or showing them in the Bible. And showing them, says. yes. Yeah. yeah. That, uh-huh. that helps a lot. Yeah. And it takes a long time to, to be in a new country for people to have confianza. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the, the hard things for missionaries. You'll be friendly and outgoing and all of that is fine, but it takes a long time to make friendship. Sure. You know, and so you just have to to be you have to show up mm-hmm. and be there and uh and that is that's just that's just foundational work in order sure. to build relationship then later. Sure. You have to you have to actually have those relationships with people before they can they can really listen really listen to what you're saying and take it to heart. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that just takes time and it takes it takes it's it's fun. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so part of part of the missionary work in Peru um, with you and and the other missionaries is the the Castillo Fuertes, the the Mercy Houses. Can you talk a little bit about your work with with those? Yes, um, we we looked at uh, possibilities, and one of the the things that there's a real need for is. Uh, is uh, um, reinforcing the instruction uh, that children receive in their schools and so forth. And so we have uh, established these uh, mercy houses, Castillo Fuerte, where children come after they've gone to school in the morning. Uh, in the case of high school students, they usually go in the afternoon, so they come to us in the morning uh, and, and would learn English, for instance. Mm-hmm. In the afternoon, then, we do um, reinforcements uh, of mathematics or sciences, uh, social studies. And we, have, uh, we actually have uh, Peruvian teachers that we employ that help in instructing these students. And uh, the, other, the other piece of this, though, is that we help them to grow spiritually, too. And so we instruct them in, the, uh, in Luther Small Catechism. And they they have learned then all six chief parts of the catechism and can recite these, uh, just like we had to do in our confirmation <laughs> years ago. And, and they have da- daily chapel too. And don't they have they daily heard? chapel in the uh, in the Castillo Fuerte um, uh, context, and in our our um, uh, in our uh, center there in La Victoria, we also have then a uh, uh, a dining room where we serve a healthy meal to these children uh, every day, and we charge them the equivalent of about 30 cents for lunch. And uh, it, is, uh, uh, it costs us more to produce that, but it's, it's actually then a way to provide good, healthy, nutritious meals for these children too. So you're not only providing spiritual need, it's also uh, uh, providing for f- the physical needs of these children too. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. How important is that to those families? Because there's, there's some, there's cultural reasons why these children need, oh, yes. need these. Yeah. And most of their families, they see very little of their parents because their parents are working such long hours in mm-hmm. order to, to earn a living. So... Uh, it really is very, very helpful that they're getting the, uh, not only the the homework support, but then also getting this spiritual food that um, uh, means so much just to, to their daily lives. Sure, yeah, sure. What do you What do you hope to uh, be able to accomplish in the next six months or or year or two years or three years down the road? We've got. We have a, a new Bolivian vicar that is going to be with us. Oh, wonderful. And, uh, 
We've got a, a couple of areas where we've been working, and uh, we have several people now that have been baptized, and we've helped to uh, bury uh, uh, at least one person and uh, and show the gospel in, in various places. And so uh, I think we've got the seeds for starting another church in San Martin de Porras. That's great. And uh, so we'll be getting this new vicar on board in April, and uh, we look forward to working with him and, uh, and also then just reinforcing the work that has been going on in San Borja and in uh, Los Olivos and, uh, uh, just, uh, and, and helping then to raise up more young leaders uh, within these congregations that, we are, uh, that are uh, being raised up by the Lord. Sure. So it's, yeah. it's, it's ongoing and expanding work. Yes. That, and that's very hopeful for the future. Yes. yes. That's wonderful. We are all out of time. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much. With me in studio today, I have the Reverend Herb and Marky Birch serving as career missionaries in Lima, Peru. To learn more about their story and also the rest of the work being done in Peru, you can go to lcms.org slash Birch. That's B-U-R-C-H. Herb and Marky, thank you so much for being my guests. Thank you. It was this great was pleasure to be here. Thank you. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at kfuo.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.